the thirteenth day of the month. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. Second Timothy 2, verses 24-25 through 25. Today we consider gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit. From birth onward, we seem to know instinctively how to be harsh and even cruel, particularly to those with whom we disagree. Most of us have mastered well the skills of sarcasm and superiority. Gentleness, on the other hand, seems to be something we have to learn, particularly when dealing with those who strongly oppose us. Yet who among us would not prefer that we ourselves be corrected by a gentle person rather than by someone whose manner is rude and caustic? Paul asked the Corinthians a question whose answer is a foregone conclusion. What would you prefer? Am I to come to you with a stick or with a love in a spirit of gentleness? In our interactions at home, at church, in the workplace, in the world at large, the gentle manner of a Christian believer is a powerful testimony to the alluring gentleness of the Christ to whom we are to bear witness. Opening Prayer Give grace, O Lord Jesus, as I seek your way, that I may grow more and more into your likeness, and that I may bear your ensign as a banner of hope and direction before all who are distraught or confused. Through this time of daily devotion, instill in me your own gentleness, quiet my overwrought alarms, and enable me to rest confidently in your wisdom. These things grant by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? To be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, Oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. From the book of Genesis, chapter 44, verses 18 through 34. Then Judah approached him and said, O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ear. And do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, saying, Have you a father or a brother? We said to my Lord, We have an older father and a little child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, so he alone is left of his mother, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. But we said to my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. 
Thus it came about when we went up to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. My father said, Go back, buy us a little food. But we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother is with us. Then we will go down, for we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to shoal in sorrow. Now, therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, when he sees that the lad is not with us, he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to shoal in sorrow. For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? For fear that I see the evil that would overtake my father. From the first letter of the Corinthians, 7th chapter, verses 25 through 31. Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who, by the mercy of the Lord, is trustworthy. I think, then, that this is good in view of the present distress. It is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, The time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as those they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. From the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, Verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials, named Jairus, came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went out with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years and endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, If I just touch his garments, I'll get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? 
But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him, except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him, but putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was twelve years old, and immediately they were completely astounded, and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this, and he said that something should be given her to eat. This is the reading of the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Prayer for Sunday. God of great deeds, on the first day of the week you wondrously called forth light out of darkness. On the first day of the week you graciously raised Jesus from the dead. On the first day of the week you powerfully formed the church through the gift of your Holy Spirit. By this triple witness you testify to us concerning your covenant love. Grant that all who worship you this day may do so in spirit and in truth and present to you a living sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving through Christ our Savior. Amen. A prayer called Green Blackboards by Michael Kuist. The school is up to date. Proudly, the principal enumerates all the improvements. The finest discovery, Lord, is the green blackboards. The scientists have studied the matter at length. They have made experiments. We now know that green is the ideal color, that it doesn't tire the eyes, that it is quieting and relaxing. It has occurred to me, Lord, that you didn't wait so long to paint the trees and the meadows green. Your research laboratories were efficient. And in order not to tire us, you perfected a number of shades of green for your modern meadows. And so the finds of men consist in discovering what you thought from time immemorial. Thank you, Lord, for being the good Father who gives his children the joy of discovering by themselves the treasures of his intelligence and love. But keep us from believing that by ourselves we have invented anything at all. Amen. The Lord's Prayer, Current Ecumenical Text Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.